Hey, good morning. How you doing? Let me hear you. Everybody say good morning to me. Say good morning. Hey, it's so great to have you. My name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the incredible privilege to pastor Victory Church, and I just want to say welcome. I do want to give you just a couple of announcements before we get into the message today. Uh, first of all, in regards to connecting, if listen, if this is your first time here, or maybe you've come for a couple of weeks and you've just kind of been in the background, kind of waiting to get connected, we want to connect with you. One of the things we like to say here is we love to get you from your seat to your feet. I just believe that when people come to church, uh, they certainly want to come in for a little while and get to know, all right, is this the place for me? But at some point, you really want to get involved. You want to make relationships and so on. So there's two ways you can do that. When you walked in, you were handed a paper connection card. Uh, and there's also a way that you can text to connect. And that information will come up on the screen. You can text to the number 31996, and you would text VICTORY18. And that would send the same connection card that they, it was given to your hand to your phone. If maybe you're more of a tech person, you like to do it that way. But here's what that's going to do. That's going to give us some basic information on you. It's also going to be the way you can communicate with us. So, for example, if you uh, wanted to get involved in the dream team, if you wanted to get, know more about growth track, which I'll talk about in a moment, if you got saved today or if you wanted to get baptized, that's the way that you could mark that information and then we could follow up. At the end of the service, I'll give you an opportunity to, uh, you know, to accept Christ as your Savior. And I always ask you to mark those cards because I'd rather talk with you what it means to be a Christian than try to have some moment here that's real quick and then you go to lunch and you forget about it. And so that's your way to communicate back to us. Uh, we will give you a contact. Matter of fact, I'll contact you this week if you fill it out. We won't bug you, but I just want to be able to touch base and say, hey, thanks so much for visiting us. Answer any of your questions. On top of all of that, as you hand that in, whether you hand in the paper uh, card or whether you showed our Welcome Center the fact that you did it on your phone, we have a special gift that we want to give you. And it's just a gift to say, hey, thank you for taking the time. Thank you for visiting with us. Uh, and then we move on to answer any questions that we have. So if you haven't connected with us, please do that. You can give the card on your way out to the Welcome Center. Uh, if you don't, it'll be pretty clear where that is. But if not, you can ask anybody. I'll be out there as well. We would just love to, again, shake your hand and say thank you so much for choosing to spend your Sunday with us. Also, when it comes to giving, if you're visiting with us and you say, man, I really would love to give, um, whether it be one time or multiple times, there's three ways you can give here at Victory Church. Uh, one is through our website. You can do that on our app or our website and do it digitally or online. Another is text to give as well. Uh, just like you text to connect, you can text to give. We're in a texting world. And then last but not least, if you're someone who still enjoys doing it the old-fashioned way, cash, check, those kind of things, as you're walking out today, there'll be an auditorium host with a Victory Church bucket that you can give that way. Every week, I like to highlight what our money is doing. So not only are we growing a great church, but we're impacting our community both locally and globally. I did mention last week that Isaiah 117 would be here, a ministry, a new ministry that we're supporting. The young lady that represents them got sick, and so she had to reschedule. She'll be here in September when we're highlighting some of the other things that we're doing. But let me share with you what we are able to do because of your faithfulness to giving. Uh, you may be familiar with what happened in Waverly, Tennessee yesterday. I have a very good friend who pastors a church out in Waverly called Compassion Church, and I called him last night, and I said, hey, Victory's with you. What do you need? He's, he gave me some immediate things, and he said, let me get back to you tomorrow when things have settled down. And I said, whatever you need, I know that we'll be there for it because our church is a giving, it's a caring, it's a loving church, and because of your faithfulness, I'm able to tell him whatever you need, we can do. And so first of all, just give yourself a hand real quick, right? That's incredible. 
so people will be blessed. Whatever it is that my, my friend needs, we'll be able to give because of your faithfulness. And so I just love to let you know uh, what your money's doing. Not only is it keeping the church running, but it is literally helping those around us and even globally. All right, let me give you a couple of calendar announcements, and we'll get into the Word. If you got your calendar, if you're a calendar person, you want to mark these down, all right? Starting with next Sunday. Next Sunday is the finale of At the Movies. Everybody say, aww. And I'm going to use a controversial movie. Everybody go, oh my goodness. Um, and we are going to present the gospel in the best way you've ever seen it presented, especially with the movie, okay? So we're going to use a controversial movie, and it is going to be the most uh, plain presentation of the gospel. So if you've got a friend that you've been trying to tell about Jesus or whatever, get them here. I guarantee you they're going to like the movie, and I guarantee you they're going to love the experience. So get them here for that. Uh, also, as that series comes to a close on that Sunday, so next Sunday, not only is it going to be that movie and the gospel, but immediately following that church service, we are going to have Growth Track. Now, Growth Track is our process to be able to educate you about what we do as a church, what we believe, who we are, as well as help you learn a little bit about yourself. And then it is our prerequisite for getting involved and connected. So if you've been, been blessed by our V Kids Dream Team, our First Impressions Dream Team, production, our worship dream team, and you're saying, man, I know God's gifted me. I want to use it to serve the local church. This is what you want to do. If you want to just learn more about what we believe and those kind of things, this is what you go to. If you want to learn if this is the church you want to be a part of, this is what you go to. It's immediately following service. It's about 40 minutes long. We'll have snacks and so on. And so after service next week, if you've been with us this whole series or you're visiting today, join us for Growth Track after service next week. Amen? Everybody good with that? All right, let me talk about September and we'll roll. Uh, September 5th, it'll be the weekend of Labor Day. I know a lot of people tend to take that weekend off. I want to encourage you to be engaged, and here's why. We will get back into the book of Acts the 1st of September, so Labor Day weekend. We've been studying through the book of Acts as a church. We will return to the book of Acts, but here's what's gonna be cool about it, is, is it just works out that as I'm taking you through Acts, I'm gonna simultaneously share the vision of Victory Church. And so it's just really cool how it worked out. I've been wanting to share this with you, but now it, Acts just pours it right out, so we'll get back into Acts 9, and then I'll be sharing with you the vision of what we're doing. It's gonna take a couple of weeks, but we'll talk about what we're doing the rest of this year and in the next year. And so it's a time to be here. If you've enjoyed At The Movies, it's been fun, it's been exciting. Now's the time to come back and hear our marching orders and get ready for the rest of this year and see what God wants to do in Rutherford County. Amen? Amen. All right. Everybody take a good breath. That was really more for me than it was for you. But uh, here's what we're doing. In case you're here for the first time, we do a series once a year called At The Movies. And what we do is we take uh, biblical truths, from some of, of, of our hit blockbuster movies. And so I'll show some clips. I'll come out and talk about it for a little bit. Week one, we did Creed 2 because our series uh, theme is sequels. Last week, we did Frozen 2. So if you met, missed that, how many of you enjoyed Frozen 2 last week? Did you enjoy that? Yeah, we talked about the Holy Spirit. It was an incredible time. Uh, and so today, we are gonna talk about a particular movie and a particular subject. So get your popcorn, get your Cokes. Everybody got your Cokes? Pop your Cokes, get ready and check out our feature presentation. All right, how many of y'all like Iron Man? Let me hear if you like Iron Man. Uh, I think there's no doubt that over the past, uh, man, has it been 15 years, maybe more, that the superhero genre has owned blockbuster hits, right? Uh, from Avengers to all of the things that came out of that. 
Um, but, but one of the reasons why I wanted to pick Iron Man is because here's what's unique about the concept of Iron Man is you really have an ordinary person. Now, don't get me wrong. He's a billionaire, so maybe in that aspect. But, but ordinary as far as superpowers go, he's not Captain America. He doesn't have this serum in him. He's not a Doctor Strange. He can't you know, change time. He's just kind of a normal human being, but he has access to this tool, and this tool makes him go from ordinary to extraordinary. And the first time I thought about it, I thought, you know, it's similar to us. Because according to the Bible, we have access to something as well that takes us who are very ordinary and makes us very extraordinary, and that's prayer, okay? So the Bible is very clear that you and I, who are very normal, very ordinary, that there is something, and here's what's really cool about it, is it's available to us all the time. It's available to you right now. You can pray right now. You can pray at work. You can pray at home. You can pray at night. You can pray in the morning. But it is a tool that when we understand it and understand what Scripture says about it, it takes us from ordinary to extraordinary. Now, if you have kids, you understand that as your kids get older, one of the most common things is for them to copy what you do and what you say. Am I right? Like it just, it never fails. Like as you, we always try to teach our kids something and they normally don't listen. But as we do something, they always pick it up. Here's what I've learned as a parent of now 11 years. I have an 11 year old and a six year old. And here's what I have learned is that my kids will copy what I don't want them to copy more than they will copy what I want them to. Am I right? Like if I want them to copy all the good things I do, they kind of miss. But when I don't want them to copy something bad I do, they hit it right on the head. For example, uh, there's this kind of thing Darla and I will do when we're, when we're talking. It's very sarcastic, and um, you may have heard it. may be something you've, you've heard or done before, but let's say we're driving down the road, and Darla says, you know, honey, we're going to be late. My response to her will be, you're late. You ever heard somebody do that before? Is, it, is that just me? All right, all right. It's just kind of a sarcastic response. You're like, babe, I'm hungry. Like, you're hungry. You know, you just kind of a smart aleck remark. I don't, anyway, it doesn't matter. Obviously, none of you do it, so I'm just by myself. Um, <laughs> But anyway, my kids have picked it up. So you know, like, I'll be talking to them. I'm like, you know, you need to do your chores. And they're like, your, your chores? And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, the one thing I don't want them to copy, they've copied. And I think, likewise, there is a desire in us to copy what Jesus does, right? I mean, how many of us remember what would Jesus do? WWJD. There's something about us that wants to copy what Jesus does. But there's one thing that Jesus did that we don't copy as much uh, we don't get as excited about as much. We don't discuss it as much. And that was his passion and his frequency for prayer. Jesus had a passion for prayer and he had a frequency for prayer. Matter of fact, in the gospels, there are 13 times specifically that Jesus prays about something. 13 times where Jesus takes a moment to pray. There are also eight times where Jesus teaches on prayer. So in the Gospels, four books that are kind of uh, happening at the same time, right, from, from four different perspectives of people, there's 13 times that Jesus prays about something himself, and then there's eight times that Jesus teaches on prayer. But then the Bible's also very clear that Jesus prayed every day. The Bible says it like this, it was his custom. Jesus prayed Every day, he woke up in the morning and he prayed. If they, he was, and the Bible says, pray without ceasing. So there was often times where Jesus would be going about his day, something would happen, and he would take a moment and praise God and pray. Jesus was passionate about prayer. 
and he was frequently praying. And here's always been my question to our church. If Jesus needs to pray, then obviously we do too, right? If Jesus needed to wake up every morning with a frequent prayer time, it's obvious that you and I do as well. Now, I could teach you about prayer for 52 weeks a year. There's so much in the Bible about prayer. I've heard people say things about prayer and say them because they're cool, and then I step back and go, you know, I don't know if that's true. I, I kind of want to dig a little bit deeper and find out if that's true. Um, I, I, as our church knows, I, I go to the gym every morning, and, and that's my time in prayer. And so through all that, I've had a lot of questions about prayer. And so at the beginning of the year, as we get ready to go into 2022, I'm going to do a series on prayer because I just really want to unpack some things. But I can't do all of that today. And so what I want to do is I want to take three times specifically that Jesus prayed. And I want to unpack those. And I want to talk about what he did, why he did it, and why you and I should copy it. Okay? So the first time that we see Jesus prays, it's all about preparation. <laughs> oh, oh, I thought we were in the theaters. Oh, man, church. Oh, I forgot we were in church. Uh, I wanted to pick that because I thought it was so funny how, you know, Tony Stark realizes that this is going to be his villain for this season. And when that happens, he gets into this moment of, I need my suit. Like, I need my suit. You got his uh, happy as his assistant's name. He looks at Pepper and he's like, we got to get him this suit. And then he gets there and he's screaming, give me the suit. And it's what, it, what it's showing you is that Tony is this ordinary person who realizes that he's in a battle where he needs something more than himself right? Like he's not going to win this battle. And so he needs something. He starts begging for this suit. And what Jesus shows us about prayer is that when you and I pray, it is preparing us for our daily battles. Like there's just this moment where you and I are going to have to face certain things and we need prayer to be able to get us through it. Now, here's what's interesting. I was thinking about this and I'm like, this is one of the prayer attributes that I don't think anybody in here would argue about. Like, I think we would all agree that, that prayer is one of the things that gets us through our daily battles. Matter of fact, I would even tell you it's instinctual, that it's just something we kind of naturally do. And, and here's, how, here's why I think that. I got saved at about 18, 19 years old, but I remember I was a Dan Marino fan when I watched NFL, and I don't, I don't remember exactly when this was. Let's just say I was 12 or 13 years old, and I was such a big fan of Anybody remember Dan Marino, quarterback of the Miami Dolphins? Yep, okay. It was a long, he's been retired for a long time. Um, that was back when the Dolphins were good, but we won't worry about that. And so I'm, I'm watching them, and Dan Marino always had this routine where he would start losing the game. And so I just remember at 12 or 13 years old, I would go and pray for Dan Marino. Now, I didn't know who I was talking to. I didn't really understand. I didn't know if God was a, you know, a Browns fan or a, or a Patriots. We know God's not a Patriots fan. But, you know, whatever the, my bad, my bad. Um, but, but, you know, whatever the situation was, I, I was doing this prayer thing, right? I, I, in my mind, I was, I was talking to somebody who could handle this situation that I couldn't handle. And then I got into school, and I think we've all done that, where we didn't prepare for a test, or we prepared for a test, and it didn't matter. And then the test came, and, you know, we, we prayed, God, help us pass this test. And then I think we all could agree, at least my guys can, that there was a moment where we prayed over an individual, a girl, and then if you're a girl, a guy that might like you, right? If you remember that in high school where you're praying like, I just, I'm going to, I need the, the courage to ask them out. And I was thinking about this and I remember the story, all right? And let me embarrass myself for a moment. Um, I was in seventh or eighth grade and there was this girl named April Smith. 
and, and I just, I thought she was beautiful, and I wanted to, you know, be her boyfriend. I'm not even sure what I thought of relationships back then at seventh or eighth grade, but I just knew I wanted her to know that I thought she was pretty, and I wanted her to say, you're cool too, right? That's what, that's what I wanted to happen. And so I was at home, and she looked like a character on a TV show I was watching called Seventh Heaven at the time. Um, don't worry, I wasn't spiritual. It was just a good show, okay? And so... She looked like a girl on the show, and we had a TV guide. Remember TV guides? Anybody still get a TV guide? No, right? You got it in a picture frame at an antique store. You know what I mean? It's a TV guide. And this girl's picture was in a TV guide from the show, not, not April. So I cut the, show, I cut the picture out, and I was like, I'm going to go show her this picture, and she'll realize the girl in the picture's pretty, so he must think I'm pretty, and it will do everything for me, right? The message will happen, and I'm good to go. So I go to school, and... Uh, that particular day, the pants I had on, they didn't have any pockets. And so I stuck the picture in my sock. Like I had like tall socks and I put it in my sock. Now here's the thing I forgot about is that the class I shared with April was right after gym class. All right. So I already heard that. Oh, <laughs> I can smell you from here. Um, but we go to gym class, you know, and, I, and people were supposed to change into clothes. I was too insecure at that time about myself. So I just, I just played basketball or whatever they made us do in the clothes I had. So, you know, jogging pants, socks, shoes, sweaters, whatever it was. And I mean, sweating like crazy, okay? And then, you know, you, you didn't shower then and it's not what you did. So you just kind of went to your last period class all smelly and stinky. And I remember I walked up and we were waiting for the teacher to open the door to our last class and I'm sweating, I'm nasty. And April's standing in line and I'm standing in line and I'm like, here's my chance. And I didn't think about like how life works. Like if I put this picture in my sock and then I sweat, that's not going to be a pretty picture. And so I walked up to her and I was like, April, you know, however, I don't know how I was like, hey girl. Um, and, uh, I was like, I got something for you. I just wanted you to know you look like her. And I pulled it out of my sock. And I mean, y'all, it was like, it was so wet that the picture was like sogging. And like, as I handed it to her, you could see she was very nice. She took it from me, like trying not to make me, you know, be totally embarrassed. But she was like, thank you. And she took it from me. And I walked away. And all I knew was I had ruined it, right? And so I started praying. That's what I started doing. And I'd like to report she never talked to me again. Like, that's just basically how that happened. Uh, I don't know where she is today, but, you know, that's okay. And so uh, just letting you know that there was just this instinct in me to pray. Like, I, I don't know how to explain it, but there, I wasn't saved. I wouldn't be saved for years later. But when I, when I came up on a situation that I couldn't handle myself, there was just something in me that wanted to pray. And the Bible says that the world is, at, is in conflict with God, okay? The world is in conflict with God, meaning that you and I are in conflict with the world. If the world is in conflict with God and we're God followers, then we are in conflict with the world, which is why that you and I face this ongoing struggle, listen to me, of living our lives in a way that puts pleasing God before pleasing other people or ourselves, and because of that, daily, everybody say daily. daily, daily, we fight battles that are against powers that we are unable to conquer without the power and presence of prayer. The Bible says that we are fighting battles not against flesh and blood, but against spirit. Every day you're fighting a battle. The battle you fight on I-24 as you're trying to get to work is a spiritual battle. The battle you fight with temptation, with addiction, the battle you fight for self-pleasing, the battle you fight with insecurity and anxiety and depression. These are all battles that we're fighting daily, 
but they start in the spirit realm. They don't start in the flesh. They start in the spirit. And what we're learning from Jesus in prayer is that when you and I are facing a battle, the preparation for that battle should be prayer. It should not be you looking in the mirror, getting yourself all psyched up. It shouldn't be you asking your coworker for advice. The preparation for your battle is prayer. If you're sick, the preparation is prayer. If you're, if you're anxious, it's prayer. If you're struggling financially, it's prayer. If you're struggling in a relationship, it's prayer. It's always prayer. I'll prove to you. Matthew chapter 26, Jesus shows us this in one of the times that he prayed. Starting in verse 36, it says, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. Now what's happening is he's on the eve of being arrested and uh, crucified. So Jesus knows this is going to happen. Jesus was born for this. He knows that. Every time he saw a cross, you guarantee he knew that that was his future. But he knows it's coming and it's close. And so in his disciples, they're in Gethsemane, and he says to them, hey, sit here while I go over there and what? Pray. Then it goes on to say he went a little further, and he fell with his face to the ground, and he prayed, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as your will, but, or not as I will, but as you will. So Jesus is getting ready to face the biggest battle he'll face, and he understands that what he needs to do is pray. Jesus, y'all, the Son of God, 100% man and 100% God, is about to face something that he knows he cannot do by himself. And Jesus, he didn't go to a church service. Jesus didn't surround himself with a bunch of people who were fanning him. And what's the little musical? I can tambourine. You know, it was, he said, I need to go pray. I need to pray. At 36 years old, I'm beginning to learn this, that prayer is not just preparation for the battle. Prayer is the battle. Like that, that is the battle. What happens in my prayer life is setting up for what happens in my physical life. Prayer should not be the first line of defense, but watch this. It should be, oh, I'm sorry, it should be the first line of defense, not our last resort. Let me give you an example of that. Some of you might have heard this story, but uh, every year, my family and I get to go to Panama City for a week. My father lives there, so we go and we get a condo together, all of our family, and we just hang out and see each other. We don't see each other a lot throughout the year. And so we were there one year, and Veda was young. I don't remember the exact age, but she was young. And the floor in the condo is like concrete tiles. And so she puts on her socks or house shoes, whatever they were, and she's running around the house, and we've told her a hundred times, stop running, stop running. Well, finally, she slips, and she hits mouth first on the concrete tile. Um, I don't do well with blood, and so when she came up, she was just bleeding all over her face. My mother-in-law is a retired nurse. My, my wife is a superhuman, and so they picked her up, and they took her to the bathroom, and I went and did what every man should do. I went and started washing dishes. I, didn't, I was like, I should be beneficial somehow, right? And so uh, they get her all doctored up, and my wife comes in, and she says, I, I think she might have damaged one of her teeth. We're going to take her to the dentist. And I said, okay, let's do it. So we jump in the car. The whole way from the condo to the dentist in Florida, my wife is praying. And I mean, she is praying. And I found out what she's praying about is that Veda was in that certain age where she was still, I don't know, three or four years away from getting her permanent teeth. So if she was going to lose that tooth, she would be without that tooth for all those years. And my, my wife was like, I just don't, you know, for her pictures, and I don't, I don't want it to happen. And so she's praying, and she's praying, and she's praying, and I'm driving, you know, through, and she's just, just calling down heaven. 
and we get to the dentist, and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, she's not dead, so I don't really care. You know, I don't care if she has teeth or not. She's alive, so it's cool. <laughs> Most dads. And so we get into the dentist area, and, and they, they take us back, and they check her out, and they do an x-ray, and they come to us, and they say, here's the deal. Said she's damaged the root, severed the root, I think is what they said. And so she said, it's barely hanging on in there, but you can, uh, so we can pull it, or you can let it go. And the dentist said, I'm just telling you, the chances of this are not good. There's a chance it would grow back strong. He said, but here's what's probably going to happen. Is it's going to start turning yellow, and then it's going to fall out. And so my wife's just over there praying. Like, as the dentist is talking, she's praying. I'm like, that's rude. You can't, like, be praying while he's talking. And so I'm listening. I'm like, okay, okay. And so, you know, we step off the side. And I'm like, what do you want to do? And she's like, we're not getting it pulled. And I was like, okay. And so, so we get her. We pack it up. We go back. We do the whole week. About a week, week and a half, two weeks later, it starts turning yellow. And I'm like, man, here we go. Like, it's going to fall out and all that. And my wife just kept on praying. She never stopped praying about this. And then one day we wake up. And I'm, t- I'm not lying to you. It is like the perfect white tooth. The yellow is gone. It's healed. She never lost that tooth. She didn't lose it till she was supposed to lose it. And then her permanent came in. And I'm like, this is insane. Like my wife approached this situation, not going, what's the physical thing we should do? What's, what's the literal thing we should do? She said, the only line of defense for me is to pray. That was incredible to me. So, so listen, whether the battle involves the protection of a little girl's tooth, or whether it involves the destruction of 185 Assyrians to vindicate the name of God. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. That God has ordained that he will respond to you and me, the pleading of his people, and perform great triumphs through what? Prayer. Through prayer. Whether it is a mama that doesn't want her daughter to look funny in pictures, or whether it's a young man throwing a rock at a giant who's about to kill him, God has proven that he answers our prayers when we make them our only line of defense. And so when you're facing something, that's what we should be about, prayer. That's what prayer is. It's one of the attributes that Jesus shows us. If you're facing something right now, have you prayed? Have you prayed about it? And I don't mean like, yeah, I said a little prayer on the way. No, no, no. No, no, no. Have you sought the face of God and asked him to help you with this situation? Now, I don't have time to teach this, but we're all very clear that a lot of times what we want isn't the will of God. But I'm telling you, here's what I've learned about prayer. If you'll pray for it to happen... God will answer that prayer one of two ways. He'll either do it or he'll show you how it's not his will to be done and you'll understand why it's not supposed to happen. But you've got to be able to give it to him, right? There has to be, there's a verse in the Bible that says, if my people will humble themselves and pray, I will heal their what? Land. We can't be so obsessed with everything that's happening right now and not be praying. Are we, are we praying Because prayer has to be our preparation for battle. In fact, it is our battle. And Jesus shows us that. Jesus, with the biggest battle in front of him, says, there's a lot of things I could be doing right now, but I'm gonna take the time to pray. So prayer is about preparation, and it's also about affirmation. That was the line that made me pick this movie. My greatest creation is you. And there's this moment, if you've seen the movie, where Tony kind of realizes that he always thought his dad was focused on his work, only to realize that everything his dad ever did was with him in mind. 
And so obviously Jesus shows us through what we just read that prayer is all about preparing for battle. But if we were honest, I think we all have known that. I think all of us would stand up and say, yeah, prayer is probably what I do when I'm facing a hard time. I don't think people are surprised by that. But the other thing that we see when Jesus sits down to pray and another time is we learn that Jesus shows us that prayer is one of the greatest ways to reveal God's heart for us. Prayer is one of the best ways for you to learn what God's heart is for you. Listen to me. God sees you different than you see yourself. God sees you different than you see. He sees you different than your spouse sees you. He sees you different than your kids see you. I see me different than God sees me. So it's important for me to pray so that I can see me how God sees me. It's important for you to pray so that you can see you how God sees you. Let's look at another time when Jesus prayed. Uh, it's in Luke chapter 3. And what's about to happen is Jesus is about to be baptized before he goes into his ministry. So in case you don't know this, Jesus was alive for about 30 years. And then at about 30, he gets baptized and he begins his ministry. He does his ministry for about three and a half years. And so there's this moment where John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. And it's what's happening in Luke chapter 3. And it says, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And he was praying. Everybody says, as he was what? Praying. Heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. So as he's baptized, the Holy Spirit comes down in the form of a dove. And then a voice comes from heaven. And here's what God says. You are my son, whom I love, and you I am well, and with you I am well pleased. So I thought this was so incredible because the first time we saw Jesus praying, he was preparing for a battle. Jesus was getting his armor on, right? Let's say. Matter of fact, I, I forgot to tell you about this, but in Ephesians, Paul talks about the armor of God. He talks about the weapons that we can use, the belt of truth, the shoes of peace, the helmet of salvation. And Paul, even at the end, says about all of that, he says, you put it all on by prayer. So not only is Jesus showing us, but Paul is showing us that our armor is by prayer. But it's not just for that. You have to understand that prayer is not just for when you're struggling with something. Because if prayer is all about you overcoming a battle, then the only time you'll pray is when you feel like you're facing a battle that you can't handle on your own. And so Jesus is about to show us, and he did show us in Luke 3, that it was when he was praying that the voice of God comes and says, you are my son. I love you. And I'm well, and I am with you. I am well pleased. When you and I pray, there's something that happens that reminds us and speaks to us about how God feels about us. Can I give you a life lesson you should never forget? You ready? You will always be shaped by the loudest voice in your life. You'll always be shaped by the loudest voice in your life. Let me break it down. Some of us are shaped by the voice of our parents. Some of us have been shaped by the voice of our coworkers. Some of us have been shaped by the voice of a, of a past spiritual leader. Some of us have been shaped by the voice of a past relationship. Some of us have been shaped by the voice of a friend or, or another family member. And sometimes it's good, but sometimes it's bad. Some of us are in here and you were shaped by the voice of your parents, but they were great voices. And they shaped you in a great way. And you love your parents and they made you the man or the woman that you are today. And it's great. But then there are some people in here who it wasn't so good. 
The voices that were being spoken over you in your house didn't shape you the right way. Some of you have had spiritual mentors and their voices shaped you greatly and some of them not so much. Some of you have had friends where the voices shaped you greatly and some not so much. And I'm even learning that in 2021, we tend to be shaped by the loudest voice in our life and no longer is it a human being, but it's a social media culture. And whatever the voice is that's loudest in our life shapes us. And this is why prayer must be a priority. Because when prayer is a priority, the loudest voice in your life is the voice of God. And so therefore, it's his voice that shapes you. Doesn't mean that other people won't influence you. But when prayer is a priority, that voice drowns out every other voice. My daughter, uh, Veda, 11-year-old, she, she's into this thing now where everywhere she goes, she has her headphones in. Anybody else dealing with this? This is kind of a cultural thing. I see adults do it all the time. They'll be in Target with their AirPods in. I'm like, what are you doing? But, but she's everywhere. Everywhere she goes, she has her headphones in. And, and, and so the other day, I'm in our bedroom, and she was in the kitchen, and I could see her. I could literally see her. And I was asking her a question, and she was ignoring me like crazy. I was giving her information. I was talking to her, and she never even turned around and looked at me. And then all of a sudden, she kind of moved to the side, and I saw she had her headphones in. So I had to go and get her attention. I said, hey, I was talking to you. And she was like, oh, sorry, I didn't hear you. I was listening to something else. Listen, when we have all these voices, it's definitely a possibility. It's a guarantee that our Father is speaking to us. But we're not hearing him because we got all these other voices in our head. And so I love that moment where he says, Tony, you are my greatest creation. And I think right now, if God could literally show up in a physical form and move me out of the way, the message he'd have for you would be, you are his greatest creation. He sent his only son to die for you because he loves you. Just a few of the things he would say, you are loved. Some of you don't feel loved. And he would say you're loved. You, you were created for a purpose. Some of you feel like you're purposeless. He would say he has a good work for you to do. Some of you feel like you don't even know what you're doing day after day. He'd say you're uniquely designed, which means you are the way you are. You laugh the way you laugh. You make jokes the way you make jokes. You look like you look. You think like you think. And God designed you that way for a purpose. He picked you. That was one of my favorites. I don't know how many of y'all dealt with like sports teams when you were a kid and you were always the last person to get picked. He picked you. He picked you. You're priceless. Priceless. You're a co-heir of the kingdom of God. You're a masterpiece. And then there's a verse, I don't know if you've read it, it's one of my favorite verses where it talks about that God's thoughts for you, his good thoughts for you are more than the pieces of sand on all of the beaches. Think about that. That God has more, not just thoughts, but good thoughts about you. I don't know if y'all have ever been to a beach. I don't know if you've ever imagined how much sand is just in that one area where you're standing. And God is literally trying to illustrate to you, this is how he thinks about you. If he could speak to you, this is what he would speak over you. But prayer is our opportunity to put ourselves in a place where we can hear it. Every day, God is speaking the same thing over you that he spoke over Jesus. This is my child, whom I love, and with whom I am well pleased. But you will not hear it if you are not praying. 
So prayer is a priority, not just for you to be able to fight your battles. It is. You do need to pray when you go through a hard time. But beyond that, prayer is also an opportunity for you to connect to God, for you to hear the voice of God, for you to hear God speak to you, love on you, talk about you. I've been married now for 16 years, I believe it is. She's not in here, so I could get lucky. Um, but she tells me all the time, speak to me. Tell me how you feel. And I'm like, man, I've been married for 16 years. You don't know how I feel? She's like, I want to hear it. I'll be honest with you. I think all of you know God loves you. Like, I think if we just talked in the lobby after service, I said, hey, you know God loves you. But yeah, God loves me. But I think it's the same situation. You need to hear it from him sometimes. You need to hear it in different ways, in different angles, in different aspects, so that you really believe it and so that it influences your daily life. Prayer affirms how God sees you. So it's preparation, it's affirmation, and then prayer is revelation. I wanted to use that scene because of that part where they're surrounded by all the bad guys, and then they're fighting, they're fighting, and all of a sudden Tony does that thing, and it just wipes them all out, and, they, and uh, uh, his buddy War Machine is like, uh, lead with that next time, right? Like, we went through all of this, and you should have led with that next time. And I'm learning, again, as I go through this journey of prayer, and, and I'm learning as you are, so obviously the aspect of it being a preparing for battle, affirmation of learning how God feels about me, I'm learning that one of the things I tend to overlook is its ability, prayer's ability to reveal God's glory. That when we pray, we open up, we, we reveal, we, we bring to light the glory of God. And that prayer is not so much about reaching a goal, as much as it is, is revealing God's glory. And when Jesus is praying, there's another time in John, and he's praying, and he's still talking about, you know, the, the, the crucifixion, and, and should it pass from him or should it not? And in chapter 12, he says this. He says, now my soul is troubled. This is Jesus talking. And what shall I say? Shall I say, Father, save me from this hour? No. That's what I want. But I can't pray that because for this very reason is why I came. It's why this hour is here. It's for me to die for us. And watch what he says. Father, glorify your name. Father, he's praying. I'm going to pray for this. Can, can I ask for this? No, because it's not the will of God. So, Father, I tell you what. Glorify your name. To which God responds, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. Glorify means to recognize, to see the splendor of God and the impact it has on mankind. So prayer isn't so much about us getting to a goal. Isn't it so much about getting an answer? If that happens, great. But what prayer is really supposed to be about is you and I getting to a place where to us, we are made real, made revealed the glory of God, his splendor, his majesty, to be able to understand how amazing he is, to be so overwhelmed with him, to, be, to adore him so much that nothing else matters. But I was thinking about you, and I'm thinking about me, and I'm like, why don't we do this? And all of a sudden, that scene came where the bad guy went boom, 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 boom. And here's the real truth, is when we sit out to pray, there's so many things we need to pray for. You know, you go out to pray and boom, all of a sudden there's this financial issue and you got to pray for that. Father, I pray 
that my van will work so I can get to work. I pray that it's not the head gasket because I can't afford that. And then all of a sudden there's a relationship. But boom. Whether it's your spouse or somebody you're dating or your kid or a family member, now you got a situation with that. Just when you got that figured out, this happens, and now you're praying for this. Then there's a career need. Boom. Oh, Father, I don't know what to do. Now all of a sudden I'm getting less pay. Now all of a sudden the job I had, I don't have anymore. Now it's all weird. I don't know. I thought you, I can't pay my bill. And there's this prayer. And then boom, 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 boom. That's those mental health prayers. I don't know where I'm at. I'm anxious. I think I'm depressed. And we're just, we're surrounded with all of these things, all of these, watch, goals that we're trying to pray for. And so all of our prayer time is overwhelmed with the stuff that we're praying for. And what I think Jesus wants us to understand is that we'll push through that and we'll pray for the glory of God. If we'll pray for the presence of God, if we'll pray for him to reveal himself to us, then these things will be taken care of. Now listen, I'm not freeing you up of responsibility. You still have to go to work. You still have to put in an application. You still have to discipline your child. But through the process, the stress of all of that goes away. I think it's why scripture says, seek first what? The kingdom of God. And all these other things will be added to you. If we thought about prayer in that way, if prayer for you and I every day was just to get into the glory of God, because can I be honest with you? You will not be able to handle the stress of tomorrow by yourself. I thought it was bad enough, and then 2020 came. Then we thought we were good, and the Delta came. Ain't no telling Southwest Airlines coming next. You know what I mean? Ain't no telling what's going to happen. Good night. I need the Lord. I need him. And so when we come into prayer, listen, we're not coming into prayer for our situation. Because if we're praying for a situation and a goal, listen to me. The second you don't get that goal, what do you do? Stop praying. I'll do one better. The second it starts to look like you ain't going to get that goal, you stop praying. And God's trying to tell us, praying is not about you getting a goal. It's about you getting into my glory. And once you're connected to me, hey, I'll take care of all this. I, I'm going to show you. Veda, come here for a second. Veda, put your phone down. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. You got up three times during my sermon. I'm about to use you. Come here. Right here. Sit, stand right here. All right. So y'all remember in school when they would make you put your hands out as punishment and hold stuff? Y'all remember? Did you, have you had to do this yet in school? Um, I'm going to do this when we get home. All right. So I'm just kidding. I love it. This is, this is my 11-year-old that I talk about all the time. She's the most incredible person I've ever met. Okay, so, all right, put your hands out. All right, so. Let's, let's see. Let's just, just put them kind of together like that. All right, hold that up for me. Put some extension in there. There we go. There we go. All right, so, so she's going to represent us. These Bibles are going to represent all of the issues we got going on. Remember I talked about finances. I talked about relationships. I talked about, uh, you know, career issues, right? So, so we got that, and we're carrying it, all right? And then here comes something else. Keep it up. Keep it up strong. Keep it up tight, all right? Got to get that burn in them shoulders, you know what I'm saying? So you wake up, you know, and you're having a good day, and then Monday hits, and now here come all these things you need to pray about, all right? And so now you got a list of things. 
So any, any, any 15 minute prayer time you got is spent all around the issues that you have. Some of you, you pray on your way to work, right? You pray while you're driving and the whole trip is just you complaining about, no, 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 put him out, put him out. You okay? Okay. All right. So it just keeps on being more. I'll, I'll do it faster since you're all right. All right. So now watch this. You got it. You got it. Now watch this. Here's what we think prayer is. We think prayer is saying, God, help me carry all this. God, come up and help me carry all this. And so this is what we pray for. God, help me with my finances. God, help me with my struggles. God, help me with my relationship. God, help me with my career. And we think God wants to help us carry it, and God doesn't want to help us carry it. God says, I'm not here for you to carry anything. Release it and just pray for the glory of God. The Father says, I'll worry about that. You just pray for my presence. And if you'll pray for my presence, I'll take care of all this. But you keep asking God to help you take care of this. And God says, want my glory. Come after my glory. Come after my presence. Just sit with me and talk with me and be with me. And you'll learn that when you seek first the relationship with the Father, all of these things are added to you. Can I ask you a question? Do you think that if you had a financial problem, I'll ask you, you're very wise. If you think you had a financial problem and you spent the entire week talking to God intimately, praying and being in relationship with God, but you never asked him to fix your financial issue, do you think he would fix it anyway? How many times, and I may be putting myself on the spot here, don't bust me out. How many times do I take care of things for you that you don't ask for? A lot. And I do it because I love you. It's about presence. Some of our best times are just being together. Now, when you ask for something, I try my best to take care of it if you need it. But a lot of it is more about the fact that you're in my presence. You're my child, so I can see ahead of you. I know you need clothes for school. I know you need waffles for breakfast. I know you need a dollar for a candy gram at school. But it's my presence that does that. It's you talking to me about it. I'm not with you so that I can solve that. I'm with you because I love you. And in the process, that is solved. That's what you got to catch, church. God is not interested in solving your problems. He's interested in having a relationship with you. And in the relationship, the problems are solved. But we want him, so fix this, fix that. And God says, just be in my presence, be in my glory. And you'll find out that all of that stuff, some of it I'll say yes to, some of it I'll say no to, but you'll be so infatuated with my presence and my relationship that you won't even care anymore. Amen? Thank you, babe. Love you. So prayer is for preparation of battles. It is, it is. If somebody gets sick and you go to their house and you pray for them, your marriage starts to struggle, you, you, you should begin to pray. It is for battles that you can't handle, 100%. But it's also for the affirmation of the Lord so he can remind you how he feels about you and how he loves you. But I think greater than all of that is for revelation of his glory. It's for you and I to get close to him and we can begin to learn his heart's desires and we'll 
find ourselves less asking for stuff and more asking for his spirit. Would you stand with me for a moment, Father? We're so thankful. So thankful that we get to pray. We're thankful that the Holy Spirit directs our prayers, as your word so clearly says. I'm thankful that we don't, like many countries, we're not risking our lives to pray. I thank you that we could pray right now. You're omnipresent, which means we could pray in church right now. We could pray in our car on the way to Cracker Barrel. We could pray Monday morning as we wake up in the shower. We can pray whenever, Father. And I hope that everyone in here today, that we walk away with the desire of praying simply to grow in our relationship with you, simply to know your glory, to reveal your splendor. If you're in this place this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to encourage you to do that. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, you're saved. If you believe in your heart that Jesus died, that you are a sinner, that Jesus died for your sins, and that because Jesus died for your sins, through his sacrifice, you go to heaven. That's what the Bible says. Now, there's a lot I'd like to explain to you. And so let me just tell you this. What you can do right now is you can just simply put your hands like this and say, Father, I believe Jesus died for my sins. I ask Jesus to come into my heart to be my savior. I want to follow him. It starts there. It's that simple. But there's a process called discipleship that we would love to come alongside you with. And so, again, on that card or whether you're texting, if you'll just make that mark, say, I gave my heart to Christ or I was saved, that gives us the opportunity to follow up with you. Because a lot of times what happens is we leave out of here thinking we're going to go into just a worry-free life because we accepted Jesus, and that's not how it goes. But here's what's cool is you no longer do it alone. Jesus is right there with you. For every person in here who is saved, I just really want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to, to, to schedule something in your life routinely where you pray and spend time with God. Read his word, pray 15 minutes, 30 minutes, hour, whatever you can do. Start it now, and I'm telling you, it will transform your life for so many reasons. But if you've been taught that prayer is just to help you through hard situations, I tell you that that's a great aspect, but it's not the only one. It's also for him to affirm you, but most of all, to reveal himself to you. So do me a favor, just however you would do it, close your eyes. Maybe you lift your hands, maybe you don't. We're just gonna ask as a church, Father, would you reveal your glory to us just for a few moments as we pray, as we worship together? Lord, we need you. You're wonderful. You're majestic. You're the Lord of Lords. You're the King of Kings. You're the creator of all things. And yet you are right beside us listening to exactly what we need individually. And I'm praying for the person right now that feels like Veda and they feel like they've been holding it all up, wondering how long they're going to be able to keep holding it. And they've been praying, asking you to help them hold it. And this morning you've given them a word. Release it. Let it go. Just run after me. Run after me. Push all expectation, all desires aside for a moment and just wholeheartedly run out. Surrender your life to me. 
And in that process, you will find peace in all of those situations. That's the word for you this morning. The Lord brought you here this morning so that you would hear, let it go and chase after God. So Father, we worship you. We sing hallelujah. Hallelujah, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen.